So we're back, week three of the Tri Podcast. Uh, this Third week we're going to be a charm. All right, thanks for interrupting me. <laughs> <laughs> this week we're going to be talking about a Mud Crutch album. Uh, our friend Luke picked that one because he loves Tom Petty, and it's a Tom Petty project. Uh, we're also going to do the same thing: talk about what we've been listening to, what we've been watching, and uh, we'll, then we'll get into the album review and uh, some other nonsense that I'm sure we'll get uh, sidetracked with. And I uh, hope you guys enjoy it. So I'm here again with uh, my co-hosts, Ryan Bailey and Luke Morrow. Hey, well, I feel like uh, it's, it's 60 minutes with that, the na- like the name introductions. It's very official. Yeah, well, we're trying to be 60 minutes. I'm Maury Schaefer, and I'm John Smith. And on tonight's episode... I'm Maury Povich. That's my kind <laughs> of 60 minutes. All right, so uh, thanks for... 60 minutes uh, to get the test results. Thanks for saying hi. I also I don't think we've pointed this out yet, but uh, Ryan and I are both in Hoboken, and uh, our friend Luke is down in Florida. Ah, uh, you ruined the mystery. I'm just kidding. That's not where anyone is. <laughs> it's actually the opposite. We're in Florida, and he's in Hoboken. Exactly. We're we're all sitting around the same table. We're all together. We're recording this on an iPhone. Or well, yeah, it may sound like that at times. That's because you're using uh, iPhone headphones. <laughs> Come on, guys. Stop giving away all our secrets. Sorry, I keep forgetting. Just buy one of those $60 USB mics. I actually was interested in getting one um, for the the iPhone um, to do interviews that way instead of using, like, a separate recorder for work for the interviews I always have to do. But, uh, you know, never got around to that. But why wouldn't you just get a USB one for your computer? Uh, because I never needed one before. Now you do. I love Macs, and we always talk about Macs, especially since Bailey needs a laptop. We always talk about like computers and comparing Macs to Dells and whatever. And uh, the one thing I hate about the Mac, though, is that there's no microphone input. What do you mean? It's because they're like slimming it down to nothing. There's like no USB well, ports anymore, right? Oh, they're Wait, brutal. What now. do you mean? They don't even have like the CD drive anymore. There's no microphone input. There's no input. There's only the headphone output, which you can turn into the microphone if you use like the three prong. Yeah, but no laptops have that. The Dell, yeah, our Dell, our college computers had them. You mean uh, our paperweights? A microphone? <laughs> yeah, but if you put in a headphone Good with a microphone back. in it, it works. But you need, no, you need a sp- like I have a headset. I have a, a headset uh, that was actually designed to use to be used on computers, but that won't work on this. You could probably use your Xbox headset. Oh, maybe. No, but it's such an awkward plug. It won't, like... Oh, you don't have the right... Mine's just, like, the regular quarter-inch plug. the first generation. Oh, yeah, the first... Is that the... The first generation is the weird plug, right? Yeah, it's really weird. Yeah. Yeah. Billy, what's what's your budget for a laptop? Do you have a budget? Um, I don't know. I feel like maybe $1,000. There's a lot. You can get a lot in that. You can get a lot in that range. Well, yeah, I mean, aren't the the cheapest Mac... Um, MacBook Air, it's, like, what? Eight ninety nine. MacBook Air, you can get at eight ninety nine, which hmm. is like if you're not doing anything on it. Like I need more power than a MacBook Air for like photo processing and Photoshop and stuff like that. And doing like even this recording would take a little more. But if you're just using it for general internet consumption and stuff like that, a MacBook Air is plenty fine. I've used them a lot and they're powerful and they're fast. Yeah, and and to caveat, when I say budget, this is <laughs> it's not like I have a thousand dollars lying around for a computer. This is kind of just what I picture as the you know as a budget regular yeah right no of course um well yeah i think 
whenever the time comes, I think a MacBook Air is a good option. You got to be careful, although. Uh, you could also look at the secondhand, like, refurbished market on Apple. You can get a, like, because the new, they're kind of phasing out the MacBook Air with the new MacBooks and stuff. And the new MacBook Pros or prices are ridiculous. Oh, yeah. Really? Um, it's not even worth it. Yeah. They're it's, what, like 1300 No. They, so they they basically oh, yeah. took the MacBook Air and put a retina screen on the lowest model one, and they upgraded all the internal and made it faster and more powerful. They're calling it a MacBook Pro, but there's no their new whole their new thing is this touch bar that replaces the whole F row keys, and it's a OLED strip. The base model is comes without that touch the strip, and it starts at fourteen hundred, I think, or fourteen ninety nine. And then the next model up for 13-inch screen starts at like 17.99, and then up after that it's gold like it's like I think 2,000 or something like that. Or no, it's like 2,400 for the 15-inch screen. Yeah, I think I got mine uh, for like 1,200. That was a handful. Yeah, of well, when ago. I look for, I'm looking at Macs like for uh, when I do upgrade, I'll probably get like the 2015 MacBook Pro refurbished, and I can get it for like 1,300 with great specs. I mean, anything's faster. My computer's 2010, and it's just like. It it it's still trugs. I put a solid state hard drive in it, but it's still it's not the fastest. It could be better. Mine's pretty good. I've had it now for uh, like three years. See, that's pretty good. Uh, also, want to say that the Cubs World Series game is on right now. Game seven and uh, game seven. So we're keeping an eye on that. So if we sound more distracted than usual, that is why this, is, this could be a historic night, though. Yeah, this is a. I mean, it's historic either way. No matter who wins, it's a historic night. But I mean, I'd rather see the Cubs win. It's it's it, it'd be fitting because uh, after the Cavs won the NBA championship and Cleveland got their first championship for that city in a long time, and they came back three yeah. one on Golden State, and they had all those jokes. Now the Indians are going to blow a three one lead. So <laughs> instant yeah, it's karma. crazy. And Cleveland. I don't care that Cleveland went like whatever fifty years without a championship, whatever it was. They had their their championship. They don't need another one already. Yeah, the Cubs. It's been a hundred and eight years. People went their whole lives without seeing a World Series. Could you imagine? The, Cubs. the Indians imagine. are gonna have to become the new lovable losers, I suppose. Since I think they're yes. the yes, are the they the only one? Drought. Who else hasn't won a World Series? I think there's still quite a few. Mm-hmm. I don't know off the top. I of guess my head. they're just like the longest or whatever after the Cubs. I, th- I would think the Indians are the longest because they go back to the 40s. That's crazy. So. I can't. I mean, not that I can say I'll see the Mets win one since I don't know. But, uh, well, I'm hoping. I'm, I've, I've been rooting for the Cubs, and I hope they win. And I know you guys have been, like, against the stance of, like, hoping that the drought continues. No, but, what are you talking about? But what? Oh, Oh yeah, I don't. I don't hope it continues. But with that said, I, I like I said, I was rooting for the Cubs. But it's almost weird. Like the Red Sox uh, curse is over, the Cubs is over. It's gonna be weird. Like that was something to, to nice to cling on to to root for the Cubs each year to finally break the streak. And now if they do it, like who's the? Like I said, I mean, like maybe it's the Indians now. I guess that people will be pulling for it to to end the drought. I yeah. I mean, I think it's gonna end at some point in your lifetime. So, I would hope. hope, or you would imagine. But um, that's why it's like I'd rather see it now, or I'd rather see it than go my whole life and be like, ah, I never got to see the Cubs win a World Series, even though I'm not a Cubs fan. Yeah, my dad never it, thought he would see a, a Red Sox World Series, and now we've seen three in the last decade. So. Look at him now! Wow. Yeah. Seriously, Good things have changed. All right. Well. 
now that we've talked about the Cubs and everything else, uh, let's get into what we've been watching and what we've been listening to. So, Luke, why don't you lead us off in that? All right. Well, uh, what I've been listening to lately, uh, actually, some old school rap. Um, oh. Yeah. I used to be more into rap and hip hop, I guess, uh, back in the day, because uh, that's why I grew up with two older brothers who uh, were all about rap. And uh, I don't know how I came across it, but I heard uh, Kanye West from uh, his first album, College Dropout from 2004. Uh, I heard yeah. one of those songs and it like restruck, relit a fire. And I was like, oh, you know, that was a really good song. And I listened to that. That album specifically was, was excellent back in 2004, Kanye's yeah. debut. And uh, oh, yeah. I don't know what happened with Kanye. I don't know if he's become too like arrogant. He got really uh, full of himself. Yeah, he's kind of sold out a little bit. Uh, his music's become like convoluted uh but 2004 that first album was like phenomenal and that's what i've been listening to a lot lately uh his original stuff was good yeah late registration i think it was the follow-up to that was also pretty good as well yeah check that out oh man i'll I'll get there so uh all right it it all falls down specifically from college dropout phenomenal song for me though it's weird because with rap and, and along with kanye that that whole time frame that was about the end of when I. That was when I was getting out of that that style of music, around 2004. But like from '99 to I guess 2004, that was like my 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 uh, prime spot for for hip hop and top 40. Um, but in terms of rap, it's interesting because I always liked it. Uh, not so much the lyrics or what they actually rapping about, but like that the samples they used and yeah, the music and the rhythm instead. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's definitely changed a lot over oh, the yeah. years. Rap is rap has become something totally different than what it used to be. I and it, that's the thing. Back in I don't know, I can't even say like back in the day I wasn't there, I wasn't back alive. Back in my day. Exactly. But um I just listening to old school rap, those those rappers were around for a while. You don't even see that anymore. The rappers now it's just like who can you think of in today's music industry that in ten years from now you're gonna be like, Yeah, they're still around or they're irrelevant or like there's music you'd go back and listen to. I could even make an argument for like when we were kids, like 50 Cent and Eminem, who were still, I mean, 50 Cent's not, he's like bankrupt now, but like Eminem is still very prominent. And um, those guys, like look at LL Cool J and all those guys, like the the guys that kind of founded or like brought back the rap scene. Um, and like now there's just nobody. It's all terrible. Yeah, now they've turned to actors. So, But uh, what, I, what I especially like about that Kanye album as well, and I don't listen to his new stuff enough to, to know the difference, or if there even is a difference. But so often with rap, uh, they'll rap about, like, I don't know, the same simple themes. Actually, rap's kind of similar to country, but in a much, like, cruder way, where they're always rapping about, like, cars. Country is, like, rapping, or not uh, rapping. Country is, like, singing about trucks. And in rap, they're, like, (laughs) rapping about cool cars. Uh, Girls or women, but in much nicer terms of endearment in country songs. And then, like, even money country kind of like not having money rap having a lot of money it's like the same things and every rap and i can see that i can see that i like that comparison i was thinking about that while i was listening to kanye west the other day but what i liked about kanye's first album is that he didn't go down those roads the lyric the lyrics were were really good and they told interesting stories um and they were thought out and you know it was like it it was like a normal because my big knock on rap is just like the the lyrics themselves i always found stupid so 
with this album that wasn't the case whereas now you listen to these rap songs or hip-hop whatever and the the lyrics are are generally pretty hideous i'm gonna have to go back and uh take a listen to that album and a couple yeah, of his a good original album. albums i've never really listened to his original stuff i know it's better than his current stuff but i never really gave it a good listen yeah it's good so that um around that same time uh mace uh, i was listening to a little uh a missy elliott that you, she used to be my jam um, oh yeah. Yeah. So that's that sort of stuff. And then on the other end of the spectrum, my boy Langhorn Slim with the song Land of Dreams. I actually heard it in a commercial, another one. That's the third Langhorn Slim song I've heard in a commercial. And you know that's how I find uh my favorite music these days. That's a good song. That's all he does. He just does commercial music now. Hey, good for him. That's how that's how you have to make money these days as a musician. And uh, he's excellent. So, uh, I know I think both of you guys are familiar with him, but for those who aren't, check him out. Langhorn Slim actually has a show coming up on Wednesday, November 23rd at the Capitol Theater in Port Chester, New York. Really? By the way. Yeah. Look at you. He's, he's from uh, the Philly area, so he's... he's uh, All right, Luke, are we going? Eastern. He's currently Yeah, tour. perfect. Since we all record this at uh, around the same table in Hoboken, um, it'll be an that's easy right. commute for us, all three of us. <laughs> very, very easy. Yeah. So that's what I've been listening to and then what I've been watching because this is the greatest time of year. Of course, as you guys know, have been my Halloween movies. I've been watching them all week. Uh, I didn't get to watch much this year. I only yeah, saw I haven't seen, I haven't seen any one. of them this year. I, I started off slowly. Uh, I was on the road for work, and uh, fortunately I was able to catch up on some of them over the weekend and force my roommate in the hotel room, whether he liked it or not, to have to watch the movies. And then with how yeah, it's not the only thing you forced him Monday to do. Night, I was just kind of flipping more to the movies. So uh, it's funny with those movies. Those are the Halloweens and Friday the 13th are some of they may be my favorite movies of all time because I watched those movies over and over, like specifically Halloween four. I think I saw three times the past week and I could still watch it again and be highly entertained. I love them. That's I mean, makes a good movie. Yeah, I never I was I was when I was a kid, I was always horrified of horror movies. <laughs> um, he still is. Yeah. No, not not at all. Don't let him fool you. He can't really, sleep after he hears a horror really, movie. <laughs> that's false. I never actually really watched, you know, Halloween or Friday the Thirteenth or uh, Nightmare on Elm Street and all that stuff. But you guys actually got me into them. I think it was like our sophomore or junior year of college when we were watching them. And ever since then, every Halloween, I've you know, with Luke, I've always tried to catch them. Unfortunately, yeah. I didn't really get to see them. That a boy. Um, but you it know, ta- the first two are good, and then it kind of gets a little, eh. For me, it was when they took both of them out of their elements. When Jason terrorized Manhattan in, like, Friday the 13th, number six, that just became... Because the story, to begin with, is pretty ridiculous. The guy can't die. He's haunting Crystal yeah. Lake. But at least they stayed consistent. Uh, he, he, was, he died at Crystal Lake because of counselors not paying attention. Spoiler alert from a movie that's uh, 36 years ago. And, Too uh, soon. <laughs> and he would always terrorize them. Uh, typically on Friday the 13th, but like the first four movies took place in the span of like a week. Um, but uh, so so that made somewhat of sense. But then like why? So then why is he in Manhattan killing people? That makes no sense. And same with Michael Myers. Like he would come. And then Jason went to space. Yeah, that too. That was ridiculous. Michael Myers would terrorize his hometown on Halloween, and then they got into the whole well the. He was taken over by a cult. They put a spell on him, and he has to kill everyone in his family. Right. And, 
and that just Freddy Krueger never got into that. No, and they that, they didn't make as many of those, but and that was the one that was the one I never really got into as much as the others because. And again, Jason and Michael Myers are so far fetched. But the, my problem with Freddy was he only attacks you in your dreams. Like, just wake up. It's, I don't know. It's, uh, I don't think it was that easy. It's just kind of silly to me. Like in one of them, the girl in in her dream, she's in the boiler room. Freddy's like hangout spot, and she oh spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, movies thirty years ago, and she puts her arm up on the uh, whatever one of the, the the things down there, like the water heater, and it burns her and it wakes her up. Like, why can't you do things like that every time? And just avoid him. It seems too easy compared to somebody like Michael, Mike, Michael Myers who can crawl and get everywhere faster than you and can never die. He always walks so slow. It's ridiculous. And people are, like, driving away in cars, and yet he beats them to a, <laughs> to a spot. But I love those movies. They are good. Yeah. They're good movies, though. They're good class. I mean, they're classics. You can't, you can't go wrong. Oh, absolutely. Now, Christmas music. I was having this conversation the other day with somebody. Christmas music. Cannot is such, stand it. Well, but it's such a popular thing. People listen to it even year-round. They're already starting the Christmas music. How come Halloween music, or even Easter music, hasn't caught on like Christmas music? I love Halloween what is music. Easter music. What Easter? What music? Halloween song do you know? Like the Monster Mash. Oh my God, Monster Mash is a great tune. I was listening it to, uh, to it today at work. What's that bit in the office when they're using Monster Mash as like um, a placeholder for the actual topic of the argument, and Jim and Pam are arguing? And then they, they they do this cutaway to Kevin. He's like, Pam really hates Monster Mash. Oh my God, what is that? I do I remember that, and I can't remember what episode I, I it's from, know. but I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> I don't remember it's, that. It's one. about like uh, I don't know, maybe Jim going off to Philly to work for the uh, sports oh. marketing company. I don't know. It's later. It's a later season. Yeah, probably that's when they were always. Fighting. I do remember that. Whenever oh, I even listen. What? 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 Huh? What'd you say? <laughs> whenever hey, Willis, I think what of, are you talking about? <laughs> whenever I think of Monster Mash, I always think of uh, Freaks and Geeks. That's the show that I think of. Oh uh, yeah, with the Great mom show. singing at the it. dinner table. But uh, but yeah, Christmas music. I mean, maybe because it's more joyous. But uh, I don't know. Like you I don't even personally, you don't, you don't hear Halloween music like even in stores or anything. I just don't think there's enough holiday or Halloween music around to act, to make it actually be a thing. I, I don't. But then how come, like, why do musicians make Christmas music, Christmas songs, but not Halloween songs? How come that never caught on? Because it's almost, I feel like, not to get into genres again, but it's kind of almost like its own genre. People always cover all the classics. There aren't any Halloween classics to cover, so. Monster Mash. I don't know. Purple People Eaters. Those aren't. There's not enough. Like, there's so many the, Christmas the songs. There's like song. two. There's like two freaking Halloween that's songs. That's not a song. No, that's a Halloween song. Yeah, great Halloween songs. And my parents were always the type of parents that every holiday we would listen to like that specific music. Um, so I think they had a Halloween record, and of course, Christmas. What Christmas. Easter songs are you talking yeah, about? Easter. I think that's. That's oh not, man, we were listening to the same Easter record every morning while we were looking for the, the little eggs around the house. It was great. What record? <laughs> I don't know the record, but you know, <laughs> like here comes Peter this. Cottontail. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I remember that. Hopping song. down the bunny trail, hippity hoppity, Easter is on its way. Yeah, I remember that one being something. That's the one song that stands out to me. If I heard the other songs, I would recognize them. But that's the only song I can remember. But it was a whole album every Easter, over and over. Was there any ever any uh, Alvin and the Chipmunks? Uh, oh uh, yes, Easter. I think oh, so. Wait, there might have been. We had the we had the Christmas one. We always used to play it in our car. 
my brother can like r- literally recite um, all the lyrics word for word for every track on that. That's I an annoying one. Was. That's a good album. I'll give you credit. That's a good one. We'll wait. We can wait until come Christmas time and and dissect Christmas music. But that's yeah, one we'll, more we'll, annoying we'll, ones for me. We'll pick a Buble album. <laughs> <laughs> that's such a cop out. All these musicians coming out with Christmas albums these days. Michael Buble shines on the Christmas album. All right, save it for December, guy. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, it sounds like you've been listening to some good stuff, watching some good stuff. Uh, Ryan, what about you? What have you been listening to and watching? Uh, watching. Uh, well, t- to get into the Halloween spirit. Yes, we know you've been watching The Sopranos. <laughs> I'm going to bring that up. I'm on season five. Uh, oh, he's almost done. We, we, we've already been there. They've got good I music actually, in that show. I'll say that. They do. They have very good music in the end credits. Actually, uh, I was scouring. <laughs> yeah, right. I was scouring HBO Go to find some, you know, horror suspense movies, and I came across Stephen King's Cat's Eye. It's one of those like, huh? I've never even heard of it. It's like a, it's like three short stories um, packed into one like hour and a half thing. It was rated PG, so it wasn't that scary, but it was a little creepy. Um, James Woods was in it. Um, <laughs> the guy from Airplane, uh, the main character from Airplane, not, uh, not um, Leslie Nielsen, the other guy. Um, Drew Barrymore was in it uh, when she was like maybe like eight. I don't know, but it was it was pretty good. Hmm. You know, classic Stephen King. There was like um, references to all of his stuff, um, his you know previous work. So like in the beginning, there's a cat. The cat's been being chased by Cujo. Um, in the beginning, also you see the the car from Christine, and then um, at one point, one of the one of the characters is reading Pet Cemetery. So I thought that was kind of cool. Um, but they're like, you know, short stories. They're spooky, kind of like our more scary stories from college. Um, but it, it was pretty good. Bailey Anything's couldn't good. handle those. <laughs> That's false. Anything Stephen King is, you know, pretty good. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. I haven't gotten into Westworld yet. I'm waiting for the episodes to pile up, and I'm just going to binge them. I've um, been, uh, I actually wrote that down. It's something I've been meaning to watch as well. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. I haven't seen any good movies lately. Um but in terms of music, um, I actually stumbled across, I know I had mentioned Churches in our first episode, but I stumbled across this live album, um, well, maybe, I don't know if you want to call it an album, but it was basically Spotify Sessions, I, Ryan, I'm pretty sure you know Spotify what Spotify Sessions are great, it was like yeah, live, I enjoy those. Um, pretty much like live um, albums, I guess you could say. Uh, but it's from their South by Southwest um, performance, really good. Um, Lauren Mayberry is a great singer. Um, yeah. Uh, also, um, after listening to this um, this album by Mudcrutch, um, one, of the, one of the songs actually reminded me of The Doors a little bit. Um, oh, I thought the same thing. Yeah. So I actually went down the YouTube rabbit hole uh, and was just searching for um, stuff from The Doors. I came across this one um, uh, video of them. It, at the 1993, their 1993, I guess, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction um, with Eddie Vedder singing uh, lead vocals um, in place of Oh, Jim that must Morrison. be interesting. Yeah, really good, really good cover of, uh, well, not it's not a cover, I guess, because the band was there. It's just, you know, Eddie Vedder was singing. Um, but it was uh, Light My Fire. It was really good. Um, and one of these songs in the album actually kind of reminded me of Light My Fire a little bit. I'm interested to hear that comparison or what song, because I, I didn't get that. I actually got uh, somebody else, but we'll... <laughs> We'll wait to dive yeah, into that. It may be a bit of a stretch, but... Um, yeah. Well, if both of you are saying it, I guess I'm the minority. <laughs> I, I had one song that I had written down that I thought 
I got a. What did you say? Doors. Yeah. Well, that wasn't the okay. Name of the song. Maybe maybe Ryan wasn't in agreement with you after the all. The doors. I thought a song had a doors vibe to it. Okay, so okay, we still could be talking about the same thing. Yeah. See. Um, a moose slamming a door vibe. <laughs> That's what it was. Uh, um. Yeah, and then last last um last little bit of stuff I've been listening to. Um, we might have mentioned Father John Misty. I think it was in the last episode. Um, but he's got a new single out. Um, I think it's fairly new called um, Real Love Baby. It's pretty good. Um, hmm. Recommend it. I right. um, haven't really listened to much of his stuff, but I obviously know of him because of his reference in Master of None. But That's right. I think I'm going to definitely be checking out more of his stuff um, in the coming days. All right. I love that song that was in Master of None. Um, I can't even think yeah, of it. Of Chateau Lobby. Yeah, it's a good song. But then I listened to the full album. Yeah, I wasn't a fan of really anything else. Is that Father John Misty? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for Father John Misty, yeah. Yeah, I've never listened to their stuff uh, intentively. We're like going out he's of my from, way uh, to listen. He's from a different band, right? That's like a side a side project. Is he? I have no idea. Let's find out. I um, think. I wanted to say he was like a drummer for some other like pretty well-known band that could be way off oh, that name sounds familiar um he's a former member of fleet foxes okay oh that's what it is hmm interesting uh he's a, apparently associated with kid cuddy beyonce lady gaga and lana del rey as well much like the genre section on wikipedia the associated acts is also an interesting one luke have you supported wikipedia by paying no never it's terrible it's your go-to choice it is but Come on, what am I, made of liquid? Who knows what you're made of. Um, anyway, thank you, Bailey. It sounds some good stuff you got going on. Um, all right, myself. Yeah, you really, you, you really sell it when you, when you. <laughs> <laughs> Bailey, that stuff is awesome. You know, listening to. You've been listening to some great stuff these days. Watching awesome. some good TV shows. I you're love awesome. Soccer. Give it all you got. Um, so what great stuff have you been listening to? Literally nothing. So uh, oh, okay. I haven't really been listening to too much music. I've listened to a lot of podcasts recently, um, more so than music and new music. I've been listening to a lot of the old music that I've talked about already. So I'm going to talk about – I've been listening to other podcasts, you know, like Marin, BC, Boomer and Carton every day. Yeah, yeah. Takes up half an hour and a half of my time. Uh, right. I'm in the uh, same boat. great – some great podcasts, though. Uh, good stuff to check out if you're interested in uh, Marin just kind of... And supporting our rivals. Uh, I wouldn't say any of them are our rival, seeing as uh, none of them review show. anything. <laughs> Two of them are just interviews, and one of them is a sports show. Well, we could become an interview show. Yeah, but they interview... Marin interviews terrible guests except for once in a while, and the Nerdist has great That's guests insane. on every week, and then Boomer and Carton is just crazy. Yeah. But That's true. They're all different different styles enough. Exactly. You know, there can be more than one podcast. It's not all about one. Evidently. Uh, yeah, so I haven't been listening to too much. A lot of the same stuff. I've been getting into a little Jukebox for Ghost again. Or Jukebox the Ghost. Oh, jeez. Um, again, listen to some of their old stuff. Uh, I told you I was on a big blues kick, and I was listening to Kenny Wayne Shepard today. I don't know if you guys know anything about Kenny Wayne Shepard, but ever since we did uh, the Gary Clark Jr. album, started uh, listening to a lot of blues i created a blues playlist that i've been adding to but it's uh kenny wayne shepherd's great just been playing a lot of his radio station on itunes and spotify so uh that's really all i've been listening to 
uh, been watching, I've been rewatching Parks and Rec because uh, I love to have something on when I go to sleep and I don't want to have something on that I haven't seen before. So I've been putting Parks and Rec on and that show is just great. Everybody in that show, the characters in that show are hysterical. I know, I know, Ryan, you're a big fan of it too. Oh, yeah. Actually, in the... Actually, I don't want to give away. Huh? <laughs> no, I, I was going to just make a reference to one of the, the songs they had in the final credits of like the last episode. Why can't you give it away? Uh, okay, it was the Traveling Wilburys. It, it was end of the line. Oh, yeah. there you go, Luke. You got a reason to watch the show now. Yeah, I'm just going to watch the, those ending credits. <laughs> what are you talking about? Is it the last episode of the entire series or yeah. like that season yeah. where it should have ended? No, it's the last episode of the entire series. Okay. That like, yeah. Interesting. Uh, I don't remember it, but I'm sure it was great. Yeah. Uh, I've also been rewatching Breaking Bad with my better half mm. because she saw it once and said she didn't like it. And I was saw? like, what? She saw it once. Okay. <laughs> Good one. Funny. You haven't even seen the whole show. You used to watch like episodes <laughs> with Gunther and I randomly. See, that's, so yeah, give me props. I don't even know the show and I can still drop references like that. But yeah, she had seen it a few years ago and she's like, I didn't think it was that good. So I'm like, I don't agree with that. So you have to rewatch it and we're rewatching it. And again, it's awesome. It's a great show. It's one of the best shows ever made, I think. And the finale is perfect. Everything about it. I won't spoil the finale because I think we're still in maybe the time frame for Breaking yeah. Bad. I don't know. Maybe not. I don't know. But anyway, I'm not going to say anything. And then, as Ryan said, I'm also planning on watching Westworld on HBO. Looking really forward to it. I've heard a lot of really good things, but haven't had the time and just been caught up doing other things like playing Halo a lot. And it's been keeping me from watching Westworld. But that's really all I've been watching and listening to right now. Is Westworld sci-fi? Yes, it is. Yeah. Okay. I can give you a a synopsis if you want. Oh, uh, sure. Cubs just hit a brief. home run, 6-3. It's a brief synopsis. It's a, I guess the idea is that it's a sit, like there's Westworld is a place. It's almost like a Disneyland type place. It's a theme park, but you go into like, and you go and you plug into essentially virtual reality and you kind of live this game or this life in this virtual reality and people go there as like entertainment. Excuse me, I wanted to go in fresh. Uh, you can get that on IMDb. <laughs> I'm kidding. Yeah, Frank Costanza. Yeah, um, yeah, but it's it's it is sci-fi, and I've heard it's really good though. Yeah, I'm excited to check it out. Me too. Yeah, I've been hearing about a lot about it lately, and I've no I had no idea what the show was. Check it out. Check it Steve, out with Doctor yeah, Steve Brule. Yeah, yeah, inter- that's a great show. Interesting. You're well. You, I guess you have a reason to watch Breaking Bad again. I actually was pretty apprehensive towards watching Breaking Bad, or maybe I was just a hater because. All my friends in college kept saying it was so great, um, but I've always because it was. I I used to watch a lot of Malcolm in the Middle back in the day, um, so always been a fan of Brian Cranston. Man, his character is so oh, it's yeah. so weird to see his character in Breaking Bad compared to the how he was in Malcolm yeah. in the Middle. He was great. In it's Malcolm there, in the a total three sixty, no one eighty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, even like Seinfeld before Malcolm in the Middle. Uh, he was always that goofy, like jokey character, and then now he's gone on the serious route. Uh, obviously, Breaking Bad. He was in Drive. He was excellent in that. Oh and, yeah. Like the movies he's doing. Like, he's become like a great serious drama actor. Drive is that the movie with Keanu Reeves where the bus explodes? Oh no, that's Speed. That's Speed. No, Drive is uh, starring your boy Ryan Gosling, and he has like five lines he's in the whole movie. Great, great, great soundtrack in that movie. 
Right. Yeah, it's an interesting. It's like an '80s style soundtrack. Yeah, right up my alley. That's true. It's a, it's a good movie. Oh yeah. All right. Well, that's some good stuff we got going this week. We're gonna move into the album review of Mud Crutch. The album is called Two. And every time Luke texted the album name to me, I thought the album was called Mud Crutch Two. And I figured out today that the name of the band is Mud Crutch, and the album is called Two. Mr. Morrow, take it away and give us a little background on Mud Crutch and uh, kick it off. First off, in line with what you just said, I never liked bands that ha- that lacked creative album titles. Uh, so to just name their second album too, eh, that's a little weak. So I agree. <laughs> All right. Anyway, I was waiting so for you Mud to Crutch. say more. I thought you were going to keep going. <laughs> <laughs> I was seeing if I was gonna get some sort of reaction. <laughs> no, I agree with you. I think it's weird. I think it's weak to name. You're like, but uh, that's like the other thing. Because what was the the blur? Oh, I mean, that's a song name. Blur does their song too. Is there one of their song names? Woo-hoo. Right. Exactly. But like, <laughs> I don't know. I it, I feel like they could think a little more into the song, the the titles of the album name. Hey, they, he didn't have time. Especially since, and we'll talk about it more. But like, Mud Crutch didn't have a lot of albums. Well, you know, all these no. guys were busy doing other stuff for 20 years, some odd years. Not anymore. 30 years. Yeah, well, that was the interesting thing. So the reason why I chose this one, before we uh, get into the background information on the album itself, is uh, kind of three reasons. One, obviously Tom Petty's involved. And as I've mentioned in just about every episode, and I'll continue to sneak in Tom Petty references in every episode moving forward. That's my goal. Yes, we um, know you love Tom Petty. Yeah, he's my personal favorite uh, musician. So uh, that's a big number one reason there. Number two is because it's a side project, and whether it's the traveling, the aforementioned traveling Wilburys or Mud Crutch, uh, his side projects always seem to be kind of different from what he's done with his regular band, The Heartbreakers. So it's a little interesting to see a musician, especially one that's been around that long, dive into some other areas. And then three, because uh, my father got me the album uh, about three months ago, and I still hadn't listened to it, so this gave me an excuse to finally sit down and, and listen through the album. So that was really the main reason why I chose it, just so I, I would have a reason to force myself to listen to it finally, because I've been slacking uh, on it lately. So how did you listen so, to this album? thanks for coming along. What? How did you listen to this? Did you listen to the actual album that your dad gave you? No. So, yeah, here's the thing. So I had the album. I put it, I uploaded it into iTunes, I put it on my iPod like way back, but I never really got around to listening to it. I heard a few random songs through Shuffle the past few weeks, but uh, I went to listen to it at work, and iTunes wouldn't open on my computer because it said it was updating, uh, some nonsense. So I uh, had to listen to it through YouTube. How do you find albums? Do you find full albums on YouTube always? Uh, not always, but... How'd you listen to Gary Clark Jr.? Generally. Uh, yeah, I think that was also like, uh, YouTube. Jeez. A lot of times they'll upload it as one track. It'll just be the full album, and then you'll have, in the description, they'll put the times of each song, and you can just click on it if you want to hear a specific song. 
but in this case with Mud Crutch, it was like a playlist of the uh, 11 different songs or whatever it is, uh, and you just go video by video, which is kind of a pain because then some of them have the advertisements and it throws you off. But anyways, cool. That's how yeah. So that's how I was forced to listen to it. Um, they also released it on vinyl, so that's an option for uh, Bailey and his record collection. You can get the vinyl, but. Uh, it's the second album for Mud Crutch. The first came out back in uh, 2007. And it's interesting because this band was Tom Petty's first band to get a record deal, at least, um, back in the 70s, and never actually released an album. They were uh, part of Shelter Records, which collapsed shortly after the band disbanded around 1975. But Shelter Records was a pretty good at the time, in the early going, a pretty good record label, but they just couldn't maintain. They kind of uh, took in too much than they could handle. They actually released, Shelter Records is the uh, record label that released the first reggae song in America, or the first Bob Marley reggae song in America. But anyways, uh, the band split up in 75, and it was, what? It says pretty interesting. Yeah, well, you're welcome. Um, okay. But <laughs> it was kind of a... Uh, Interesting situation because the band was under this this deal with Shelter Records, and they were under this contract for going on. I think it was almost like five years, and they were in the studio constantly. And the record label was never happy with what they were hearing, and they wanted them to keep working on it and practicing and just playing live with one another in the studio, yada yada yada. And they were throwing all sorts of money away on this band. So eventually, they just got rid of them and wanted just Tom Petty to sign a solo deal. So it was kind of. I feel like that's kind of awkward. I've never been in a band, but if you, it's almost like firing everybody, and uh, it's like, hey, I'm gonna go on and do do my thing now and be really successful. So I always felt like there's kind of some guilt there, and yeah. so after Tom Petty had his illustrious career and did all he wanted to do and had great success, he brought these guys back in 2007 to do the first album, and then they did the second album this year. Uh, Two of the other four members in the band outside of Tom Petty were also in the Heartbreakers, so he kept them around once he went on to do his solo thing. They That's got back into the ask. fold. Yeah, the solo thing ended up becoming more of a band, and they became the Heartbreakers, and the rest is history. But the drummer uh, left the music industry, and the guitarist, who's actually a brother of one of the Eagles' uh, original members, Tom Leiden, uh, he left the music industry and became a guitar teacher. So, like, I always hmm. felt like there was kind of some guilt for Tom that things didn't work out for those guys. They moved out to L.A. They kind of just got dumped by this record label, and that was the end of their career as they had to watch their three bandmates go on to have great success and go into the Hall of Fame. So uh, I, I, I thought that was the um, the the uh, reason for this whole project in the first place. And then this whole second album kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, they announced they were in studio when they were already in studio. They announced an album was coming out about two months before the release date. Then they went on a short tour. Uh, and, and I think the lyrics, too, kind of speak to, like, maybe not guilt, but going back to their roots of the 70s before the Heartbreakers. And if they were just, you know, five kids from Florida like they were trying to make it in L.A. back in, uh, back in the early 70s. So... That's the background history of Mud Crutch. Oh, that's and pretty Tom interesting. Petty's, uh, latest side project. I uh, I had read something that it kind of, this so so it's basically what got what made Tom Petty famous is this band. Yeah, I mean, I got him to start. Yeah, yeah, this is like he got started there, and then they dropped whoever they dropped. And it reminds me of, uh, and this is a more modern day uh, analogy with Matchbox Twenty. Um, mm-hmm. 
started as I mean it was Rob Thomas and it was uh, most of the guys but it started as Tabitha Secret and uh, they to it uh, like most of the band was kept and they replaced like the guitar player and the drummer for some reason and they renamed Matchbox 20 but like the two guys that were kicked out or whatever happened uh, were, were held a lot of resentment over it and they uh they released an album eventually called don't play with matches which i think is a great Mm -hmm. title speaking of album titles for a couple guys who hold a lot of resentment for this other band uh and it was a great album i mean it's basically all their old like demos and stuff like three they have like 3 a.m demo on there but um it's is you know it's kind of similar story yeah i I could see where you'd feel there'd be a lot of resentment yeah and and yeah that that must be a really tough situation and odd situation for those guys that don't make it but i've always thought about that even before this situation and and listening to this album in a band and maybe it's different with like the contract you sign the language but it's always weird to me that like the founders of the band or or generally the lead singer are like in charge of the band and you can kind of just kick somebody out at any time and like forget that they they uh, forget all the sacrifices or hard work they put into that band to like get them where they are, and I guess it's similar to getting fired. But but I always think of like a band as being like one cohesive unit. But you know, like say in this case, say Tom Petty is like, ah, oh, this drummer sucks, and they're like, okay, you're gone. And you just sacrificed all that time, and it's just weird to me that you can like kick somebody out of a band uh, so easily because I've always felt like they're all integral parts. Yeah, I agree. And it, it's, it's definitely it definitely takes a toll, and it's tough, especially with the fact that like um, these other members usually contribute, and they have like big parts that like they helped create some of the original stuff that you worked on and you did. But I mean, sometimes it right. has to be done. But for the for these guys, you said they weren't necessarily kicked out um, by the band, by Petty or you know any of the other band members, right? They, it was more the the studio that kind of broke them up, or yeah, yeah. So this case was different. I was. Uh, I was just speaking more uh, generally, yeah. but yeah, in this case, yeah, the record label just like dumped everybody and then was like, yeah, we only want Tom Petty. And then when Tom went into the studio to do his solo stuff, he needed backing um, right. musicians and he ended up bringing back the guitarist who's still with him today, Mike Campbell, who I think is incredibly underrated. And he brought back uh, the keyboardist, Benmont Tench. Great name. Those two... Great name. <laughs> Those two were in Mud Crutch, and then they stuck around for um, the Heartbreakers, and they found a different bassist and a different drummer from the from the original Mud Crutch band. So that's the way it worked out, and uh, the record label agreed after hearing them to sign them as a band and not just have Tom under contract. Yeah, I think it's pretty interesting, and they have an interesting story, and I think it's cool that whatever the story is or whatever the like explanation was when they brought when Tom Petty brought them back together in 2008 like I think it's cool that he did do that and they they were able to put out a couple albums uh since then yeah it's nice to be in that position to I mean he's had basically he can do whatever he he wants at this point (laughs) right exactly so including his side projects I think this is album number 20 uh for for Tom and uh, as I said it kind of gets back to his roots even the first Mud Crutch album which featured a couple of covers as well but a little more country uh, not so much this album, but the first one and some other of his of his stuff lately is a little bluesier um, than his original work. Um, but uh, I'm interested to hear what you guys thought of the album because when I picked it, like I said, I just kind of wanted a reason to force myself to listen to it. And I didn't have the highest expectations of what you guys would actually think of the album. 
So I'm curious now to hear what you did think after listening through. Sure. Uh, Bailey, why don't you take it away for that? Sure. Yeah. So I, when you first to, uh, told me that Mudcrutch 2 or Mudcrutch 2 or number two by Mudcrutch was going to be our album for this week, I had no clue who they were. Um, at first, I thought they were a death metal band. Um, <laughs> but um, Me too. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I looked them up on Spotify. I didn't even look at, I didn't even Google them. I just looked them up, hit play on the first song. And I was like, ah, this is Tom Petty. It must be pretty good. Um, and then I could immediately understood why Luke had picked it because, you know, obviously Tom Petty was in it. Um, I thought what I thought was pretty interesting was that like as I, as I went through, I noticed on the fourth song, um, which is titled um, Beautiful World. I noticed that it was a different lead singer. Um, Tom was not the lead singer of this one. Um, and I actually did some research and found out that it seems as if um, I, you know, I guess the, the lead vocals were sung by the person who, I guess, got credit for writing the song, um, apparently. Um, and what was interesting was that Beautiful World was the only one where I really noticed right away that it was a different lead singer. Um, the other guys who sang the vocals had somewhat similar voices to Tom Petty, I guess. Um, but after, after looking it up, I, you know, and then listening to the album again, I could tell, oh, yeah, that's a, that's not Tom Petty singing. That's a different, um, that's a different guy singing lead vocals, and I thought it was pretty cool that it wasn't just Tom Petty singing the lead vocals, and you know they kind of mixed and mixed it and matched it. Um, and I know they also did some like supporting vocals, and there were some like I guess co-lead singers in some of the songs, but I thought that was pretty cool. Um, and then another part, I also thought it was interesting, you know, researching the guys that were in the band because I didn't really know much about any of them, obviously. Um, and just to see, and I know we were just talking about associated acts earlier, um, but to see some of the associated acts that some of these guys um, were a part of. Um, like my boy Ben Montench over here, um, you know, associated with, uh, and a lot of these guys kind of are associated with, associated with guys from the Eagles, like Glenn Fry and, uh, Don Henley. Um, but it was cool that Ben Mont was, I, I guess he did some stuff with Johnny Cash and Roy Orbison, Stevie Nicks, um, which I thought was pretty cool. I liked how, um, I guess maybe back in this day, um, some of the musicians out there would kind of, uh, you know, work on projects with other you know, famous musicians, obviously Crabbing Wilburys is one of those examples. I just think that's cool. You know, classic musicians who did collaborations, did side projects with each other and, you know, really, you know, um, combining their individual talents. I think that was pretty cool. Um, so it's cool how this is kind of like a, I, w I guess you could, wouldn't call it a super group, but it's cool that, you know, you got guys from the heartbreakers and then some guys from the original band. It's cool how, um, they all came together, um, and started to put out some albums in the two thousands. Yeah, that's true. The, the point that you make about kind of like freelancing and this band specifically, everybody in the band is, is outside of the band has worked with some uh, talented people. Um, Mike Campbell, speaking of Don Henley, Mike Campbell is the one that wrote, wrote Boys for Boys of Summer and uh, oh, no did that way. song with Don Henley. They, they did a lot of work. Benmont, Mike, uh, and then the original drummer, Stan Lynch, who's out of the Heartbreakers now, he wrote a lot of songs for Don Henley as well so they were always close with the henley and and the eagles and helped resurrect stevie nick's career benmont worked with jackson brown so uh yeah that, that's true i don't know if we see that so much anymore but uh, in this band specifically they they freelanced with a lot of great guys back in the 80s yeah it's pretty cool what were your thoughts ryan <laughs> um yeah so i would say 
I, I liked it. I for the most part I liked the album. There were some songs that I wasn't too keen on. Uh but for the most part it was it was very it was a very Tom Petty sounding album in my opinion. Um that old school rock sound and then like there was a couple slower songs that I like just really it it felt very Tom Petty, it sounded very Tom Petty. Uh his his name, his footprint was all over it in my opinion. Uh, which isn't a, it's not a bad thing. I thought it was it I, I like his sound. I think he has a great sound. Uh, I love his voice. He's got a unique voice. Um, but I will say that there was also, I felt a very, and this is an interesting, I don't know, just a couple songs gave me like almost like a wallflowers vibe. Not that they were like hmm. influenced by the wallflowers, but almost the other way around. Um, which I found interesting considering I know we've talked about with Jacob Dylan before, but being Bob Dylan's son, the wallflowers sound nothing like Bob Dylan. Um, so I went on a path to see if I could find if Tom Petty was an influence of Jacob Dylan. And I'm sure he was but literally found nothing about any of his influences. I found one interview and he said he he was asked who his influences were. And he's like, I really just like music and the songs. And we kind of just write from that. And that's what I like. And I'm like, that really was very uninformative about anything about you. Um, It's funny you say that because Jacob Dylan was the one that did the speech to induct Tom Petty into the hall of fame. And the slide guitar on what is it Sixth Avenue Heartache? Yeah, that's the name of it. Uh, that was done by Mike Campbell. So oh, figure th- there it out. you go. And they they sent it to Mike Campbell. He recorded the slide guitar part and sent it back to them, and that made the album. It must. It he must be have some influence. You really like Tom Petty? There's got to be there. The only other thing I could find is that Jacob Dylan's guitar player was influenced by Ace Frehley more than Bob Dylan. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if you want a little Bob Dylan research that i did there's not much to find on him but anyway yeah i uh i thought the album was definitely it was a strong album i liked and i don't know if i felt this way at the beginning of the album but towards the end of the album every song seemed to flow into the next song without much of a fade in and fade out almost like a pink floyd type album not so much as pink floyd's albums where like the wall and dark side are like a continuous album essentially where there is no break but i felt like the mm-hmm. songs like there wasn't much of a break there was a flow into each song at the end of the album which i liked hmm. um mm-hmm. felt like there's some songs that are very country vibe i know you said is a first album from mud crutch and mud crutch had a country vibe and i felt that in this one too so i assuming that wasn't too off base and then the song and i don't know if ryan mentioned uh which song he thought sounded like the doors but i the song hope Uh, uh, very sir. much like the doors it was like oh, yeah, yeah. The, the keyboard the synthesizer yeah. and everything like it's very very doors sounding i could see that and i really liked what i really appreciated about this album and like i said i wasn't like a, i wasn't like blown away by the album it wasn't something i didn't expect from a tom petty-esque album uh but one of the things i really appreciated about the album is that they stuck to that that 70s sound that the, all of them were founded on they were all like they that band originally founded back in the 70s or whatever and they stuck to that sound um they didn't try and fit today's genre they didn't try and make it sound like anything that would be played on the radio today despite being an album released in 2016 they uh they stuck to their roots and they played what they wanted to play i guess and what they had been playing when they used to play together in the past um which i think it could be good or bad and i mean it looks like like 
that looks like. But Bruce Springsteen is a guy who kind of changes his sound over every album from where he started to where he is now. And I think he doesn't change to fit the radio or fit the genre. I think he just changes because of what his mood is and what he wants to write and how he wants to write and how creatively it comes out. And I think that's a good thing as well. I think it's just, and and I really appreciated that Tom Petty was able to stick to their old genre and stay the way that they sounded back in the seventies. Yeah. That's always appreciated instead of, especially bands uh, more recently selling out um, and whatnot from their original sound. Uh, Yeah. You mentioned hope. I like that song, some specific songs, Uh, hope. I like the, uh, that Hammond organ sound, much like yeah. Ray Manzarek in The Doors. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it sounded, it had that 60s style. So that, that's, a, that's a good um, comparison. I didn't, I didn't think of The Doors, but I definitely heard uh, 60s in it. And I liked I Forgive It All, Save Your Water towards the end of the album. And then the first song, Trailer, which that was the one that reminded me of Warren Zevon. I actually really like, liked that first song too, Trailer. Yeah, because it's almost kind of like silly lyrics. He doesn't. It seems like he doesn't take himself too seriously in the song. And that was like Warren Zevon style. He always wrote kind of like jokey lyrics, but still excellent songs. And so uh, even a Leonard Skinner reference, listening to Leonard Skinner, which was reminiscent of a Warren Zevon song. So I like that. I like how it started the album. Like these freaking 65-year-old guys back together for the first time since the 70s. And the opening line of the album was about graduating high school. Graduated high school I bought her a trailer In a little park uh, I thought that was kind of cool. So those were the songs that, that stood out to me. Trailer, I Forgive It All, Hope, Save Your Water. I did not really like the songs that were sung by anyone other than Tom Petty, but maybe just because I'm, I'm biased. But those were some of my least favorite songs on the album. But I did think it was cool that they all had a piece in uh, writing the songs and, and singing and putting together the album. Yeah, I was going to bring up, how often do bands... Re- I know this is kind of a different example, and I know most well-established bands have that, you know, distinct sound, you know, and, you know, their lead singer, you know, sings everything. Um, but d- does that happen a lot? Have you guys ever listened to any other albums where it's there's more than one, I guess, lead vocalist? Yeah, Uh a lot of bands. Like well, Blink One Eighty Two, for example, they have some. Depends of on the band. I mean, like the Head and the Heart is a band where they have like three or four lead singers. Um, and I mean, you can. They're just. It's just the fact that they have like different voices in the band that they can utilize. Right. Like Edward Sharp uses a bunch of like, has a female singer. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think it depends. It depends on the band. I mean, if you have the opportunity, the right. band usually takes advantage oh, yeah. of it, but some don't. And uh, you always have background vocals and stuff, which right. those guys are good singers too. Yeah. yeah, I think it's kind of an all or nothing thing. Like either bands are built around right, that, where right, like say, right. going back to old school, like Crosby, Stills, Nash yeah. and Young, and they would all trade off because they all had phenomenal voices. Um, the band, the band themselves, mm-hmm. uh, same thing. They ha- oh, they had phenom- uh, three guys in that band that could that could be lead singers, so they would trade off. Um, so you kind of like I feel like you would build build your band around that and the harmonies and, yeah, and that sort of thing. And I think uh, uh, otherwise, then you got like yeah, the, otherwise you just stick to the lead singer. Then you got like the Eagles on the other side of the spectrum. We had like 16 guitar players in the band. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. So Tom Petty specifically, uh, Mike Campbell sang one song on their Echo album. Otherwise, everything's been Tom Petty in their career. So this is different for him. Uh, and then the other one I think of is the Rolling Stones. Keith Richards uh, sings a handful of of songs, lead lead singer, which is different 
from a band like Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young or these other bands that we referenced that, that uh, kind of focus on harmonies. That's obviously not the case with Rolling Stones, but Keith Richards would take over. And uh, one of my favorite Rolling Stones songs actually sung by Keith Richards through and through. That was featured at the end of a Sopranos episode, so it all comes full circle. Hmm. There you go. I'm not yep. sure if I've come across that one yet. I I, I think it was season two. Oh, so we went right over it. my head. Yeah, so you're going to have to go back and... I uh, must have skipped the credits on that out. one. I don't know. Oh, my God. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Unbelievable I remember it ends with, guy. like, Tony, and this may be a common end, but he was, like, smoking a cigar. I forgot what else happened. <laughs> it's, like, every episode. <laughs> I figured as much. All right. Uh, you have some songs that you liked in particular, Ryan? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I liked Trailer. It was, I think it was, I liked the um, the harmonica in the beginning. I thought that was classic Petty, right? Because they always have harmonica. Um, Petty. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that. <laughs> um, it gave me this really nice, like, I, I don't even know what, what you could call this genre. Um, Southern rock classic. Uh, like Ryan said, it was a classic Tom Petty, you know, listening to the, the, the album in its entirety. Are you kidding me? What was that? Uh, Sorry. <laughs> oh my but yeah, no, God. I liked... We got to pay for that song now. <laughs> <laughs> it was shorter than 15 seconds. <laughs> I, I thought there were some good solos as well um, in trailer. Um, my, I think my favorite solo was in the last song, Hungry No More. Uh, really reminded me of George Harrison. Um, just mainly the guitar reminded me of George Harrison after listening to a lot of George Harrison's stuff. Um, yeah. So I liked a lot of that. Um, I thought it was kind of cool how there were the you know, there were different lead singers for certain songs. Um, but I also liked how there was you know some it started off very upbeat. There was some you know slower songs and I forgive it all and um, beautiful blue. Um, mm-hmm. But oh, no, I mean, I, overall, I liked it. I'm in, ag- I'm in agreement with Ryan. You know, after not really knowing much about them and listening to it for the first couple times, I, I enjoyed it. I did. Yeah, well, I'm happy to hear. I uh, yeah. my I uh, two songs that really stuck out, and I think we've already covered them now. Trailer and then Hungry No More. I really appreciated the last song on the album. Um, outside of that, none of it really like stuck out to me as much as I thought it would. It's overall. Wow. I'm sorry. You know, we can't. <laughs> we can't be obsessed with every album that we review um no it's true but i will say like i i i enjoyed the album i wouldn't i don't think it'd be an album that if i'm bored looking for an album to listen to i'll be honest i don't think i would go straight to this album to listen to um but again i'm not i also wouldn't pick a tom petty album if i'm bored to go listen to a tom petty album unbelievable i know um but i do i do like i you know i've covered some tom petty songs in my in my past but uh, mm-hmm. just, he's not, I li- I think he's great, great musician. I like his hits, uh, but I've never really sat down and listened to much of his albums. That's a shame. Scale of one to 10. What do you grade the album? Mm. Both of you. Ryan. Um, uh, I'd like s- to point out that on Ryan's laptop right now are American, <laughs> American girl dolls. I'm looking up the lyrics for Tom Petty's <laughs> American girl. That's what I, you, did. you called me out. So I hit the. I just stroke my, um, <laughs> stroke my. Oh, mouth. I don't know what you want. Yeah, American right. girl images. American oh, girl yeah. just had to point that out. <laughs> yeah, careful how you finish that sentence. Seriously. Oh, All right, God. wait. What'd you say you rated the album? Uh, well, <laughs> <laughs> um, I was gonna say uh, I give it a seven. Hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go a little. I'm gonna have to say it's probably like a five for me. Oh. Uh, 
It's not bad. Right. I mean, that's right in the middle, middle of the road. Yeah, mediocre. Yeah, it's a mediocre album. Yeah, I can see that. I would say maybe a seven, maybe maybe six for me, probably a seven. Um, all right, well, before we talk baseball or whatever else we want to talk about, let's wrap this up. Um, we all gave our opinions on the album. This is episode three of the Tri Podcast. We talked about Mud Crutch 2. No, wait, Mud Crutch, their album number. Album is called 2. <laughs> number 2. It's so confusing. Um, yeah, all right. Thanks, guys, for joining me. Uh, Luke Morrow and Ryan Bailey, and uh, I'm Ryan Subhan. And we're the Tri Podcast. See you. When you rate on a scale of one to ten, what's a ten? This is like Louis C.K.'s bit about like when about how words are being used too much. Like uh, awesome, yeah. is like is it really awesome? Like was that really right. that great? I overuse that so. Oh, so do I. I use it all the time. Everybody that does. Excellent, <laughs> everything. But, my um, pet peeve. Excellent. I, I do it with all these all the words and probably this word too. But my pet peeve is specifically love. Like, oh, I love that song. No, you don't. Shut up. Do you love it? <laughs> Would you buy it a ring? Do you ring? really love it? Yeah. Like. Yeah, exactly. Come on. Settle down. Um, but uh, a 10 for me, probably Stadium Arcadium. Oh, no, my God. That's so, definitely a 10. 100%. I got to go back and listen yeah. to that. That I, whole I, I album, start to finish, I can listen to that without skipping a song. It's so perfect. And it's a double album. Oh, yeah. It's the closest thing to a perfect album for me probably it may be a perfect album for me i don't know i agree it was always it was always a uh, rolling stones voodoo lounge and tom petty's wildflowers were my two favorites and stadium arcadium may have passed them those are my three perfect albums in my opinion i my i just it amazes me because i'm in total agreement with you there are 28 songs on that album there's not a single song, I think, if I'm listening to the album, that I would want to skip. Wow. I was listening to some of it the other day. It's phenomenal. It's so, it's very. I'm going to have to listen to it I, at work tomorrow. Was I, there I, a big break before they did the album before that? Like, why did I they, believe so. Is that why they had I was this? trying to. Yeah, I was trying to think of it the other, the other day because this came out uh, when we were freshmen in high school, I believe. I think it was 2005, uh, early 2005, if I remember correctly. And I think if I have my Red Hot Chili Peppers history correct, I think the previous album was By the Way. You're correct. It was actually 2006. Yeah, Stadium By the Way Arcadium was 2002, and Stadium Arcadium was 2006. Ah, 2006. Oh, that's right. We were in, Yeah, 2006 would be freshman year. And in the interim, Dope. they released their Greatest Hits album, which is actually another solid album if, you like, if you're new to the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Their Greatest Hits album is a good one to start with. And I believe that included a new song, which I hate when bands do that. So there was that in between. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah, including I new never, songs on greatest hits. Sorry, go ahead, Luke. Well, that's what he was saying. What? Just bands that include Incubus did a ah. interest, 
Incubus did an interesting thing. They released, they didn't call it a greatest hits album, but it was like almost, it was essentially a greatest hits album, but they had like seven new tracks. It was a double album, but they released like six or seven new tracks with a bunch of greatest hits, which is a little weird as well. Uh, Tom Petty actually uh, referenced it in his book that I read of his about the greatest hits album because he hated Mary Jane's Last Dance uh, was on his greatest hit album and he hated that idea. He didn't want to do that. But it was required by the record label. I forget what the reasoning is. Um, why why bands do that, or specifically record labels have bands do that? It's something with selling the album. I forget. Why didn't he want that on there? He because he didn't like the idea of putting a, a new song on. Oh, there was hit. a new song on the album. Yeah, he's in the same camp as us. But he said the record label required it for some reasoning. That's weird. I forgot. Yeah, I guess you can market yeah. it differently. Yeah, I forgot what it was, or something with the contract. I don't know what it was. So. Um, yeah. Um, so yeah, Stadium Arcadium, I would call a ten for a point of reference. This yeah. I'd maybe give a six then. What would you call a one? Ooh man, Cisco. That's tough because every album, if you're listening to an album for a reason, you're listening to you know, it you, because you like something on it. Right. Exactly. You either like the band or you like a certain song. And if you like a song, maybe if you only like one of the twelve songs, I guess that could be a one. But I don't know. That's tough. Yeah, that's that's real tough. I can't even think of an album that I would like really throw at the bottom. Cause like, I, like you're right, I wouldn't pick an album to listen to if I don't know anything on it. Like I'm not gonna just scroll through iTunes and have never heard of an artist or this band or any of their songs and just pick the album to listen to randomly. Yeah, right. me neither. I'll probably like come across one song and then say, oh, this is awesome. Exactly. XYZ and if you like album, one song. You'll typically like at least another one on the album unless their style is just totally different from that song, which happens. I've had a couple bands like that. That's the whole problem with the uh, the singles and all this. The way the music industry has gone now where the albums are essentially dying uh, is that you only hear those hits because that's what all they play on the radio or mm-hmm. you know maybe even in concerts. Whereas back in the 80s, if you liked a certain song, you'd have to buy the album and then you listen to the whole album and then hey, by the end of listening to, to it, Right, your favorite songs are A, B, and C, and and not the the song that you bought the album for in the first place. Now you don't hear all these other songs because you're just keyed in on the the one song, and you can buy it off iTunes or download I agree with that. it. I agree with that. So you 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 miss that. True. Yeah, that's definitely a very valid point. Um, yeah, it makes it harder, and I think that's why albums don't sell anymore, and the streaming services are so much more popular than people buying an album or buying a, anything like that anymore. I don't know anybody that buys full albums. I know one person, Maggie. She uses. She still buys songs on iTunes and stuff, and I, I don't understand it. <laughs> My dad got back to that. He now he'll he buys everything. And um, I don't know why. I'm not like advocating theft or pirating music. I'm just saying with all the alternatives yeah, like, yeah. of like streaming services and that are you can pay ten dollars a month for a like number 25 million songs yeah and you get a num. there's many options you have itunes spotify google title any of them you get any song you could possibly want 10 bucks a month why would i pay except taylor swift because she's not on spotify she's on itunes though uh, i don't go on itunes hmm. why would i pay for individual songs if i can get everything for one part right one price yeah they're getting I mean, a cut too. The record company, they're, out, they're getting a cut still. Yeah, don't they get like yeah. a, not much? They get like no. a 
pay per play or something. They get every they time get a song is played, they get a certain amount of uh, on Spotify. And don't quote me, but I think they get a fraction of a penny for each play. So if I want, yeah, they get like uh, they get like a point zero zero one percent. I think that's what it is. <laughs> something crazy like that. It's something yeah. crazy. It takes a lot of so plays. What, what constitutes a play? Is it just like one second or no? Two? It's, I think it's the full way through. And a band tried to game the system. They released an album. Uh, do you know what? I'm oh right. About? They released no. an album that was just nothing. It was silence. <laughs> and they had they tweet they tweeted it out to all their fans to go on Spotify oh, when I they go to sleep and uh, when they went to bed and just put the album on repeat and just let it play over and over and over again throughout the night and they got millions of listens here's my thing why did the album have to be a silence why can't you just mute your speakers well, I think they just wanted the to make it easier for them okay it was enough. also easier for them to release an album of silence <laughs> that is true but yeah um, I don't know I, I I'm a big advocate for the streaming services. I think they're great, especially with the fact that you can save stuff offline if you are commuting underground, as Ryan and I do for at yeah. least 15 minutes a day. Uh, it just makes things easier. And or if you don't have unlimited data, you can you don't have to worry about your data plans. Yeah, I've been an advocate of Spotify since uh, college, 2011, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Ryan's been putting Spotify playlists together before they were cool. Yeah, that's true. The yeah, the playlist has over 1500 songs the pants party and that's not the pants party. oh it's a different one um, <laughs> it's it, it's kind of like and i know you were saying that it's a little oversaturated um but it's it, it's it you kind got of, 1500 songs in there <laughs> it kind of replaced my uh i when my my last ipod i i left it in my center console in my car when i was down the shore for a week and it fried the damn thing oh that's crazy. oh my god <laughs> so i didn't have an ipod for a while um and then spotify came along i was like oh, i'll just use this so every time i found a song i liked i just put it on the playlist and it became like my my shuffle <laughs> all right shuffle that's fine it. that's a valid reason uh, but it's I not like it. I, it does have like a, quite a few followers it's in the, th- it's does in the it? 30s now well it's about to get about a thousand more i know right? 43 that's followers. right if you guys are right interested now. look up ryan bailey on spotify you yeah. can follow his indie hip cool rock alter alternative native playlist or that actually be a pretty cool thing for the even uh, better podcast you could you can follow you his follow pants along. party playlist <laughs> All right, mm. the pants party playlist yeah. has not been updated as much lately since the last pants party senior year. <laughs> we were on the ground level of Spotify. Yeah, we were. Uh, don't get ahead of yourself. Hey, I gave a speech. You don't on... even use Spotify. You can't, you know how to, no, I, I don't. Doesn't know how to sign but, in. Oh, it's broken. Doesn't work. Yeah, it is. It's a piece of crap. But I did <laughs> yeah. use it originally back in the day. And I actually gave a speech senior year of high school. I gave a speech on it. Um, presentation it or a speech? Re- I gave a speech. What? What'd you say? A presentation or a speech? No speech. I was in speech class, and uh, I had to give a speech on it. At the time, they didn't have the name Spotify, and it wasn't out yet. But I, my dad, actually showed me like a article in some magazine where they were talking about this idea of how they were going to come out with a service where it's going to have all the music and you can access it on your phone and yada 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 and i remember giving a speech senior year and like people were blown away and then shortly afterwards that's when you should have invested that's true so big ted was the reason he was on the ground floor they were public then though yeah he doesn't even use it though even public now i don't know i don't know
Um, all right. Well, before we talk baseball or whatever else we want to talk about, let's wrap this up. Um, we all gave our opinions on the album. This is episode three of the Tri Podcast. We talked about Mud Crutch 2. No, wait. Mud Crutch, their album number. Album is called 2. <laughs> number 2. It's so confusing. Um, yeah. All right. Thanks, guys, for joining me. Uh, Luke Morrow and Ryan Bailey, and uh, I'm Ryan Subhan, and we're the Tri Podcast. See you.